Well, good morning. My name is Caesar. I'm one of the pastors here, also the pastor for Celebrate Recovery. It's a blessing to be here with you this morning. Um, if this is your first time here, welcome. Um, I, I'm usually here on Thursday nights, and I'm usually saying welcome to Celebrate Recovery because uh, I lead that worship service. But if this is your first time here, uh, welcome uh, to the well. Also to those who are worshiping with us. Uh, in the World Cafe, um, welcome to you as well, and glad that you are here uh, in those nice, comfy chairs, drinking coffee and uh, praising God. It's, it's a cool way to praise God. So, uh, um, also, just uh, just as a reminder, um, you all got to to uh, to see the FX uh, performance, and so it's really neat to see that. And uh, they will be also uh, performing in the well. So if you're there, um, just hang out so that you can see uh, what we got to experience um, in this worship service. Well. Um, it's Christmas. I thank God for Christmas. I love Christmas time uh, so much for um, uh, what it reminds me of about God's amazing grace and how it continues uh, to show up in my life in so many ways, but reminding me um, that there is always hope uh, in a turbulent world, and I, I thank God for Christmas. So I, I'm thankful um, Christmas doesn't usually get here until uh, my family comes in. So my daughter's home from college. Uh, Kara, you can wave your hand. Hey. Uh, and then my sister is here. You can wave your hand. I'm going to embarrass her. I'm glad to see you in church today. Uh, and, and, and my lovely wife, Cynthia, glad you're here and in church today, too. <laughs> um, yeah, got coffee. Yeah, I'm glad you're glad you're not up in the well <laughs> or watching online. I know there's some people on no, <laughs> but uh, thank God um, for you. I, uh, my daughter graduates uh, from college this year, and it is truly a blessing. Um, you know, I remember the day that she was born, and I remember the day she went off to college. I made such a fuss when we left her. Uh, there and now she's graduating. Uh, we talk about you know how we how we both did in school and Kara is uh, like amazing with her grades. Um, I think she's probably made like three B's since she's been in college. And I told her I said, you know what, we're alike. I made only three B's when I was in college too. <laughs> I said the only the only difference between me and you is you were crying when you got your B's. I was celebrating when I got mine. <laughs> Um, well, as we uh, prepare for our time um, for this message, I want to, for a few minutes, think from this particular passage that comes from Luke, uh, the second chapter in the 8th and 12th verse. If you have your Bibles, um, you can turn there, Luke 2, 8 through 12. Will you prepare your hearts now as we listen for the word of God? And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause you great joy for all the people. 
today in the house, in today, to, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth, lying in the manger. Will you think with me for a few minutes on this thought, the power, the power of peace, the power of peace. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your amazing, amazing grace that meets us once again in this most holy place. God, when we have been reminded through the course of this week that we are not enough, we are thankful for the amazing truth that your grace, that your grace makes us enough today. We thank you for your radical love that never seeks, never stops seeking where and, and seeking to find where we are. We thank you for your love that continues to pursue us. And so, God, we pray now that as we surrender ourselves to you, that you would open our hearts, our minds, so that we may hear a word from you. Now, God, we pray in this time that you would rescue me from me, that you would hide me and hide all of us behind your cross, that we might see you lifted up and glorified. And then we ask now that you would take the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, and then, God, that you would make them holy and acceptable in your righteous sight. And then, God, we will be mindful in all things to give you all praise, honor, and glory. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. When I think of how volatile our world is and how vulnerable I am to this human condition and how I can lose this, all that's precious to me uh, through no fault of my own, I must admit that I am always tempted to act in ways that are unfaithful and contrary to the great commission that God has placed on my life and all of our lives to love God with our whole hearts and then to love our neighbor as ourselves. When I consider how physically exposed and how weak I am in protecting myself from this volatile and hostile world in which I live, I must admit that even as a minister of this amazing gospel of Jesus Christ, that I live with a low-grade fear that tempts me every day to place my trust in the physical substances of this world more than the spiritual substances of hope, joy, and peace. Yes, I must admit that because of the struggles I have with this human condition and the fear that's produced by my vulnerabilities, I, I'm often spellbound by the shiny objects of this world, thinking that if I can make the right connections or get the right relationships or attain enough education or make enough money or possess enough political might or even if I can obtain enough religiosity, that somehow I can protect myself from the hostility I feel every day. However, regardless of my efforts to find security in the stuff of this world, 
I'm always left with an emptiness because I know that the substances of this world cannot satisfy the deepest longings of my soul because my life force is not tied to this world, but tied to a God who created it. Jesus says in John 14, 27, peace, peace, I leave with you my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives to you. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not let it be afraid. In other words, what Jesus says to his disciples in this passage and what he says to all of us, my peace is not of this world. My peace is beyond the material things of this world. My peace, my peace is everlasting. And it's more powerful than the sin that seeks to separate me from you. And if I'm going to have that peace, if I'm going to have that peace, then it's incumbent for me. It's incumbent for me to ground my faith in the everlasting love of God. Likewise, likewise, if we as a people of faith are going to be all that God has called us to be, then it requires that we begin to see Christmas as a proclamation to all of humanity. That we begin to see this Christmas story and this event as God's way of breaking into a hostile world to bring order to chaos and to bring, bring love into a place filled with fear and hate. That if we are going to be all that God has called us to be, it requires that we begin to surrender ourselves to the hope, the joy, and the peace that was found in Bethlehem. That if we're going to be all that we are called to be, that we have to give ourselves to the sustaining, everlasting love that's found in the promise of Christ. So, so the question and there's always a question from the preacher. <laughs> so the question for us is how do we, how do we as a people of faith, how do we live with this peace? How do we begin to live with this peace? Well, the first thing that we need to understand, and I think that we, we have to begin to understand, is that this peace begins with human Humility that this peace begins in a place of humble beginnings, that it, it begins with humility. If you look at our passage and if you get a chance to go back and read this, this amazing story, it begins in a place of humble beginnings. It begins with a woman who, who, who was a young lady who was poor, who didn't have a husband at the time, who found herself pregnant and, and who found herself on the outskirts of society and God found his way to her. Those beginnings begin with, with this woman and, and her husband who takes her, Joseph, and, and marries her. And then they end up in this place of Jerusalem, not in a palace when she gets ready to give birth, but in a manger. It begins in a humble place. It begins in a place of humility. And then our passage reminds us that the first people to come and witness this amazing, this amazing grace that shows up in Bethlehem 
our shepherds. That this place of peace begins with humility, that it begins in knowing that, that none of this we deserve, that there was nothing that we have done to, to obtain it, but that it has been given to us because God had mercy on us. And if we're going to be all that God has called us to be, it requires that we, that we move ourselves and that we begin to understand ourselves from this humble beginning, that we know that, that, that everything we have and, and what God has given us comes to us because God loves us. The second thing I think is important to understand and know about this peace is that this peace is grounded and forgiveness. Though the, the whole story and, and everything this Christmas story is about is, it is a story of redemption. That, that it was God's remedy for the first sin that happened with Adam and Eve, that, that this story of peace was a story, ultimately a story, that begins with the thought of forgiveness. I love what Martin Luther King Junior says in one of his speeches about forgiveness, he says, forgiveness does not mean ignoring what has been done or putting a false label on an evil act. It means rather that the evil act no longer remains a barrier to the relationship. Forgiveness is a catalyst creating the atmosphere necessary for a fresh start and the new beginning. It is the lifting of a burden or the canceling of a debt. I'm, uh, I, I often get the opportunity to, 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 to set with people in, in some of their most painful times, and sometimes they share with me uh, their stories of being wounded. And I, as, as I often hear these stories, we always come back to this point of what is it that you need to do to get to this new place in life. And invariably, that, that, that conversation always, always ends with forgiveness. Forgiveness is not easy because it, it is, sometimes it means that we, we, we have to look past what was done and, and make a conscious effort of, of letting go of the past and pursuing God's love so that God's grace will be made known in our lives. I have a good friend. I sit on her board, and her name is Tanya Stafford. And, and Tanya, um, is Tanya, I met her uh, at an event in Dallas, uh, and, um, and her story is an amazing story. She, uh, she, she, was, she had four or five, uh, five brothers and sisters, and um, at the early age of 13, her mother sold her to a drug dealer in her neighborhood. That drug dealer raped her during her time when she was growing up and under his uh, control. And Tanya talked about her abuse and she told me about her experience. And I remember as Tanya and I sat in my office and she was sharing with me this horrible story. I remember saying to her, Tanya, let's go get them. <laughs> I was like, Tanya, you know, I, I, I remember feeling this rage inside because I was like, how could this happen in America? 
How could this person be sold? And, and there, were, there, were, there, were, there, there were no agencies that stepped up. There were, there were no institutions that stepped up to, to help her. And I, and I felt this rage inside. And I remember Tanya saying to me, and I, I remember saying to Tanya, how do, you, how do you make it day to day? I remember Tanya saying to me, I make it because of forgiveness. I've already forgiven him for my past. I've already forgiven him for the pain that was caused to me. I have forgiven him. I have forgiven him because I needed to be released from all of that stuff that held me bondaged, that held me captive. And as a result, Tanya had a proclamation that was signed by the state legislature that, that moved this particular uh, legislation that now holds people who, who, who rape people, who, 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 that, that there is no statute of limitation on it. And she says, all of this happened because of forgiveness. If we're going to be all that God has called us to be, it requires that we begin to live our lives knowing knowing that we must begin with forgiveness. Not only forgiveness for those around us, but also forgiveness for ourselves. It requires, if we are going to be all that God has called us to be, that we be willing to trust God with our whole hearts and know that in the end, that real peace comes when we are willing to forgive. The third thing, the third thing that we must begin to understand and know about this peace is that this peace is not absent of tension, that this peace is not absent of tension, but it offers us the opportunity to share. I love the scripture, or I love the prayer that we, that we share and celebrate recovery, and you, you hear me say it all the time, but I, I love this serenity prayer, and I, I say the prayer all the time. Uh, in fact, when we were, uh, this past weekend, uh, Cynthia and I, we were out in uh, uh, California uh, visiting Kara uh, and uh, Cynthia's brother coaches for the Buffalo Bills, and we were uh, watching the Raiders play, and we were in the stands, and, you know, I kind of, I, I wore a black with Stanford thing on because I didn't really want to be identified as a Buffalo fan, but Cynthia walked into the stadium with the Buffalo Bills thing on, and we were in the sea of Buffalo, we were in the sea of Raider fans, and one Buffalo Bill wife who's standing there cheering when the Bills were leading, and I was like, God, grant me the serenity. <laughs> to get out of this place alive and not get in a fight when my wife says something <laughs> to one of these crazy Raider fans. No. <laughs> Peace is not absent of tension. And as I shared this prayer, one of the things that I love about this prayer and one of the things that this prayer says is that hardship, hardship leads to, leads as a pathway to peace. 
I love this prayer when it says this. It says, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. If we're going to be all that God has called us to be, if we're truly going to celebrate this Christmas season the way God wants us to celebrate it, if we are going to be the church that God has called us to be, it really means that we have to take this long road that sometimes it is filled with tension, sometimes it is filled with hardship, sometimes it is filled with difficult tasks. But that task, if it is bound in love, will always lead to peace. Fourth thing, my brothers and sisters, if we are going to be all that God has called us to be, then we must know that this peace is grounded in love. That this peace is grounded in an amazing love that is found in Jesus Christ. That this love is a love that is, is agape in the sense that it is a heavenly kind of love. I love this passage and I, and I love the fact that, that peace is found in agape because agape is a spiritual love that originates and comes from God. Agape doesn't seek anything in return, but agape loves us because we belong to God. Agape doesn't love us because of who we are. Agape loves us. Not, agape doesn't love us for what we do, but it loves us for who we are as sinful creatures in need of God's amazing grace. If we're going to be all that God has called us to be, it really requires that we exercise this agape love in our lives. I always share, uh, you know, when I get the opportunity to pastor uh, couples and I get the opportunity to, to, to do weddings, I, I, I love sharing with couples uh, what love is about. You know, I, I, we talk about the Greek language and what the Greek language and how they describe love. They describe love as, as eros, which is the love that is connected to our biology. And I, and I love sharing with, with couples and telling them that, that when, when you love on, on this level, this is, this, is the, this is the kind of love when, when that one day when you, were, when you were walking through the park and you saw that person on the other side of the field and you said, wow. It's the kind of love that is connected to love songs that, 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 that when, when, uh, when my wife gets mad at me uh, because I didn't take out the trash or I did something wrong, I'll, I'll come in singing Luther Vandross, let me hold you tight, <laughs> if only for one night. <laughs> and she's talking about busting me in my eye. I'm like, where's the love? <laughs> But this love is connected to our biology. And I share with couples all the time, as powerful as this love is, and it is a powerful love that it's not enough to keep our unions together. And I love sharing with them that there is this, this love that the Greeks always also talk about, which is phileo. And it says this love is tied to, is this love is an example of friendship that we come together because we have mutual interests. We come together because we see each other as friends. And I love saying to couples and, 
and sharing with them that this is a very powerful love. It's powerful love because communities are built on this kind of love. There, 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 there are all kinds of, of agreements that, that folks come together and have, have mutual interests and, and friendships and bonds are formed from phileo. But it's a brotherly type of love. But as powerful as this love is, it's not enough, I say to them, to keep their union together. And then the Greeks talk about agape. And agape is God's love for us. That if their marriage and their union is going to last, if it's going to be all that God has called it to be, if, if it's going to, to last, if it's going to last all of the arguments, if it's going to outlast all of the arguments and all of the disagreements and, and the sickness, if it's going to, to outlast all of those things, then it must be based on agape. And I love the definition for agape, that agape is a love that seeks for all of us creative, redemptive goodwill. That it is a love that seeks for all of us a creative, redemptive goodwill that seeks, that seeks to find us wherever we are and provide us redemption and in the process give us goodwill. Galatians 5.22 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness. And James 3.17 puts it this way, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace, loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. If we are going to be a people of peace, if we're going to embrace this amazing Christmas story, if we're going to be all that God has called us to be, then it requires that we live our lives with this amazing love in our lives. And here's the good news. Here's the good news. We can't do this love. We can't be in this love by ourselves. We do this love in community with one another and with God's presence. As we look at this, this, this story, as we look at this manger story, as we look at this amazing story of Jesus showing up, we, we, we begin to see how this whole community came to bear witness to this love that was taking place in the world. If we're going to be all that God has called us to be, it requires that, that we form community with each other, that we ask God for God's amazing grace and that we, that we surrender ourselves to this love so that God's presence is made known in the world. Finally, my brothers and sisters, with all that, this peace offers us, and if we are truly going to be all that God has called us to be, it means that we also have to ground our faith and our peace and gratitude, that we come to this place with thanksgiving in our hearts, that we come with praise on our lips, that we come in total adoration to God because what God has done for us. 
I love this passage in Luke 2, 10, 14, and it says this. It said, the angel said unto them, this, this is what the angel said to the shepherds, be not afraid, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this is the sign unto you, you shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and then suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying to glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men in whom he is well pleased. If we're going to be all that God has, has called us to be, if we are truly going to live as a people filled with hope, joy, and peace, then we come with adoration. We come with praise in our hearts. We come with gratitude, knowing that this, that this grace we didn't deserve, but we received it because of God's love. I love this passage and, and the story and what it means. As a pastor of this amazing gospel, I, I get an opportunity to to, to bear witness to God's grace all the time. I, uh, I, 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 I have a bunch of different things that I do, and one of the things that I do is I lead the Celebrate Recovery service here uh, on Thursday nights, and I, I love doing that, but my, my day job uh, is working at Methodist Hospital uh, as a chaplain there, and I serve as vice president for pastoral services uh, for Methodist Health System. And I've been with the hospital now for about 20-something years. Uh, I actually keep track of it by how old my uh, oldest, uh, Kara is, uh, because I was there before Kara was born, so <laughs> tells you how long I've been there. Um, and I, uh, I remember when I graduated from college, when I graduated from seminary, and and I started my journey uh, as a chaplain at Methodist Hospital, all of the hope that I carried uh, into that situation. I remember as I walked into the hospital and, and how, uh, how I had taken all of the theological courses that I had done over at Bright. And, and I remember how, you know, I, I walked into the hospital thinking that, that this, was, this was my opportunity to do ministry, to, to effect change in the life of, of those that were around me. And I remember as I continued to do my work, as I continued to, to do my work, I, I found myself beginning to struggle to find hope and peace with all the stuff what I was saying. I remember how I, how I was struggling to, to really begin to, 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 to try to figure out where was God in the middle of all the suffering. As I would get called to the emergency room to sit with a patient or to call a family member of someone who had been in a car accident or, or if I'd gotten called to, to the NICU unit to, to go and, and be with a family whose baby was struggling. They were struggling to keep that baby alive. As I got called to set with people who had experienced trauma through violence, I found myself 
struggling as a pastor, trying to figure out where God was. Where God was in the midst of all of this suffering. I kept trying to figure out where God was in the midst of this suffering. And I found myself struggling. Struggling to to understand God's power and God's grace. Struggling to understand who I was as a pastor. Struggling to understand what my mission was in this setting. As As I continued to to work in the hospital as I continue to, to walk on to those floors and, and meet those patients. I remember one day going to our labor and delivery unit and walking into our labor and delivery unit and, and the nurse calling me in and asking me that, to, to go and visit with a family who had lost their baby here in this time when there was so much hope and then all of a sudden that hope turned to grief. I remember walking in uh, to this room and visiting with the family and then asking them what it is or what was it that I could offer. I remember them saying to me, what we want to do is we want to baptize our baby. I remember I was, as I sat there and, and was scratching my head and, and thinking to myself that this baby is gone, that, that this child has died, and yet we are going to baptize this baby. I went and got all the stuff, and I, and I brought it back uh, to the room, and, and, I, and I set the, I set the, 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 basin down and and the water and I grabbed the hymnal and I began to read the prayer and then I grabbed the baby from the mother's hands and I held the baby in my arms and then I said to her what name do you give this child she told me the name of her son and then I prayed and in that moment of mystery In that moment of mystery, these words came. God, in this dark moment, in this moment that is mysterious and does not make sense to any of us, keep alive in each one of us the hope and the possibility and peace that this young baby represents. I don't know, I don't know what you're faced with this holiday season, this Christmas season. I don't know the struggles that you will be experiencing in your life. I don't know uh, what you will be dealing with. But here's, here's what I want to leave with you, that there's possibility and real hope and peace in this chaotic world that God's presence showed up for us, that God's presence shows up for us when we need it the most. And my hope, my hope for all of us is that we will truly begin to trust that peace and that amazing grace. Let us pray. Almighty and gracious God, we thank you for your amazing grace that meets us once again in this most holy place. Speak to our hearts. 
Remind us of your amazing grace and help us to know that even in the midst of chaos, we can have peace in you. Speak to every situation and circumstance and then God be with us so that we may truly experience Christmas. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.